This is all about wine. to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine sound very loud. and more friendly. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm just adjusting my my no, sound here. We have had some unique people on the program. I, I just I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine BTR. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine BTR. And now, all about wine. Is- I didn't have the volume up. I had to adjust the volume. Oh, um, yeah, I was adjusting mine here too. I'm going, what's wrong with this? Day? You know, that's all yeah. right. Over here. No. Okay. Well, all about wine. Yeah. Open to everybody. Yeah. Thank we. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, hope you all have been listening to Mike's show. Uh, Saturday mornings, oh. ten to noon, Flightline Radio at flightlineradio.com, and uh, then right okay. after that, uh, a replay a uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, yeah. Encore, uh, I think. Encore, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. An encore presentation of All About Wine. So if you oh. are never able to listen to it on Thursday evenings, you can always tune in to Flightline Radio on Saturdays at noon. And yeah. then he, Flightline Radio, streams 24-7. Uh, you see classic rock and a few things here and there other than that. And then some of the classic rock uh, is... It's not like you will listen to your local radio station, classic rock radio station, because they play the same, what, 50, 75, 100 at the most songs over and over again. Nah, I don't uh, think so. I, you know, I think maybe <laughs> 25 to 50 over and over again. Um, yeah. Mike plays songs off of... Oh, let's say the Deja Vu album by uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Play some tracks on there that you never hear on the radio. He'll play yeah. odd tracks there. And same thing with other artists from the 80s and 70s and 60s that you normally don't hear. So it's it's a good listen. Might, so 24-7. Might have to, I might have to tune into that myself. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm changing. Uh, I'm changing. Uh, you know, adding some more um, that I'm. I'm uh, I've, I've got on my library now. It's expanding, so I'm going to put some more on rotation. But uh, um, I also wanted to add that uh, the first and fifteenth mm. now follows all about wine on Saturday. Oh, really? So okay. Yes, they are on seven a.m. and seven p.m. on Wednesdays, and then following. Um, and it was really a, a just a, a fluke thing because I was redoing something in the background, and I said, "Okay, I'm not going to be done in time after the wine show. What, I need to put something up there." So I I just moved their schedule time, and I go, "It rolled into it." So I thought, mm-hmm, "Okay, we'll just leave it like that for a bit." <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> We'll so there you go. Time. First and fifteenth uh, is really a lot of fun. You all want a, a good chuckle. That's that's a yeah. really a good listen there. Yeah, and they talk about everything. It's 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 very uh, it's entertaining. And sometimes you know, I'm, like I'm driving to work, and I'm like, what, what are they saying? Oh, it's like you know Seinfeld. If you remember the show Seinfeld, for anyone out there, it's like Seinfeld. They don't really talk about anything. It's a show about nothing, but it's hilarious. So that is a very good description. Yeah, it's Seinfeld. Yeah, that's a good good relationship. So yeah, it's 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 a fun show. So tune in noon, and then after that, 
uh, say, 1 mm-hmm. o'clock or somewhere around there. And then after, you have the 1st and 15th yeah. Um, yeah. that will come, come on. But Mike's right. before that from 10 to noon. So if you have any express requests or anything, then he's there yeah. to talk, to chat with you on, on instant. Uh, well, uh, the chat line is called. Yeah, the chat line, something. yeah. So, so uh, there you go. Let's uh, talk about that first. Then the next thing I want to mention is, mm-hmm. you all know I'm a sports fan, and this Sunday's the Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, really. Wait, can we if, say that on there? Oh, maybe we should say the big game. Okay. You know, the big we, game, yes. We haven't got permission to say Super Bowl, so we got to say the big game. And um, you just did it again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the big game. It's my it always cracks me up. Yeah. I watch shows and they go, "The big game is." I go, "Oh, jeez, yeah. you know, the, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh well." Yeah, but uh, Sunday, uh, Super Bowl is going to be on. It's going to be the San Francisco Forty ers against the Kansas City Chiefs. In Las mm-hmm. Vegas, it's an evening game. I think it kickoffs at 6.30. If you are into sports, watch it on whatever channel is carrying it. You can see the advertisements and everything, which starts about half hour before. And you're not hearing too much about the advertisements this year. I mean, previous years, you used to hear a whole bunch about the advertisements coming on. But the mm-hmm. amount of money they spend, and so a lot of companies put their money into the Super Bowl, and then they divide that advertisement up into segments throughout the next six months instead of showing the whole advertisement. But uh, it's uh, – and I've mentioned before, I'm from Kansas City. I'm a Kansas City fan. I like to see Kansas City win. But I've always been sort of – I lived outside of San Francisco for many, many years, and so I – became a 49ers fan. I haven't really lost that uh, that heartfelt feeling for San Francisco. So if Kansas City wins, yay, yay, yay. If San Francisco wins, then it's only one yay. But still, I'm not going to be real, <laughs> real depressed about it. You know. But uh, the, the advertisement, I think. But if you're not a sports fan, watch the Super Bowl on Nickelodeon. It's still going to show the football game, but they do so many different stuff on there. They have uh, the great big uh, Yeti. Uh, They impose it into the crowd, and Yeti's walking around the crowd. They have Yeti on the field. They have uh, slime. They slime players. They slime uh, the the crowd, all this stuff. Of course, it's on the field. It's not real slime, but they slime people, and they – uh, the announcers that I saw in the game earlier this season, they played a game on a playoff or something, and the announcers I saw really didn't sit there and start telling you about each player and all that stuff. They talked about other things. and But it really was an interesting take on the normal sports show, especially uh, something like Super Bowl. So if you're looking at still seeing the game, but getting a little bit different than the commentators sitting there trying to, you know, that player is playing with a lot of, a lot of physicality, which drives me nuts mm-hmm. when they say physicality. But, uh, you know, and hearing stuff like that, and, why well, he's, he's, he came into play today. Well, they all came into play, okay? I mean, it's the Super Bowl. But, exactly. You know, Even the uh, the uh, sideline, uh, the sideline uh, reporter, it's the same thing. Every time they, you know, coach comes back from um, halftime or something, coach, what are you, what are you going to do differently in this uh, that's going to win the game? Well, to win the game, you know, we're going to have to score more touchdowns and uh, just, you know, keep that run going. Yeah, oh, a little bit stronger better. defense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that was what the game was all about. And it's everything. What are you going to do differently? Well, we're going to try and score more touchdowns. And we're going to do this and run the field. Wow. <laughs> oh, all right. Thanks for your time, Coach. 
wow, that was so insightful. Now I totally understand what you have to do. But <laughs> I thought that was a whole part of the game. And then they, yeah. and like you were talking about the, the announcers in the booth, and, and they say the exact same thing every single time. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, this guy's, you know, this player so-and-so, and, you know, he's doing this. And it's like, yeah, oh, and he's going to run up the middle. Well, of course he did. You know, I mean, come on. It's, we're I, I watching. One of the most enjoyable games I ever saw was one where the announcers just shut up and let us watch the game. And that was – that was do that, I, I mean, well, yeah. yeah. But Nickelodeon is a good alternative. Nickelodeon had a – had a game on, I, I think it was a playoff game. I want to say it was a playoff game. And it was really enjoyable because they would slime the crowd. They would slime players. They, you know, a player did something, and they would slime him. And, and I mean, they had Yeti walking around. and um, But it, yet, all this was superimposed on, on the screens. But it was... Oh, okay. I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. It was all superimposed, superimposed on the screen. But it was it was really, really hilarious. And I'm pretty sure that they are going to be doing the, the Super Bowl Sunday evening. So you're not... I don't think you're going to be seeing the uh, advertisements. But it is an enjoyable game. Or you can always tune in the Puppy Bowl, too. This is, I think, the 25th or 26th Puppy Bowl. That's, that's going to be on. But uh, uh, but uh, a good alternative, Nickelodeon, I think, for those who are not real big football fans, but yet you want to want to watch the game. That's the way to go. Yeah. And so, but, uh, you yeah, mentioned I mean, uh, 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 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 3.30 p.m. Pacific Time. It's uh, Allegiant Stadium. I'm just going by memory. <clears throat> and uh, what's my, what's my, there you go. And uh, TV channels is uh, CBS. And if you don't, you don't want to do oh. the pay route, get yourself on the aerial antenna, old-fashioned, and just pick up a local CBS t- station for free. Uh, that's, yeah. That'll work. Uh, streaming on Paramount Plus. Uh, for mobile, it's on NFL Plus. And uh, that is this Sunday, February the 11th. There's, there's also, uh, uh, what are some of the other ones? Um, Nickelodeon, you mentioned, uh, Philo, uh, which is a, um, I believe it's a subscription uh, channel. But uh, anyway, so. there's, uh, there's all, yeah. Um, Usher is going to be performing in the uh, Super Bowl halftime. Uh, oh, pop star. Okay. Yeah, yeah uh, he's there. <laughs> And let's see, the national anthem is going to be by uh, Reba McIntyre. Um, what else? Post Malone will provide his rendition of America the Beautiful. And R&B artist Andrew Day will, provor- will perform Lift Every Voice and Sing at the uh, game. So uh, there's... Oh, that might be good. Uh, I, yeah, I read something interesting on the, uh, on the hmm. Internet. It was... A, a letter that was being passed around, but the letter says, "I am, uh, I don't know, sergeant or, or uh, lieutenant or whatever it was, uh, stationed hmm. overseas." And he, it was an open letter, and he said, "Whoever sings the Super Bowl this year or any sporting event, don't make it your own. Sing it like it was yeah. written." All of us right. military personnel around the world, especially on the Super Bowl, is going to be watching that. We want to listen to the national anthem the way it was written and the way it's supposed to be sang. We don't want to listen to some crazy uh, approach to the thing. We want to just have you sing the song. And uh, yeah. I thought, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. all these artists that get on there and, and – you know their own. It's not your own. It's yeah. the national anthem. Okay. Right. And so. Uh, yeah. Totally agree with that for sure. Um, yeah. That just is crazy. Hmm. And yeah. one other sporting comment is a week from today, the fifteenth, the pitchers and catchers report to spring training. Mm-hmm. So uh, in Florida and mm-hmm. Arizona. Uh, is where they all report. So we got the, the boys of summer coming up here in a week. The uh, pitchers and catchers report next Thursday on the 15th. And then I think three days later or something like that, or five days later, I don't know, uh, the rest of the team reports. So we're getting 
getting the uh, baseball guys back together again, ready for a, another season of yeah. baseball under the lights and in, under the sun, I suppose, both. But that's always fun. I enjoy baseball, too. So yeah. I don't think yeah. they've done any crazy rule changes this year like they have in the past. I don't know. I still still want to go back to the to baseball the way it was originally made and not all these different rule changes they've passed over the years. I'm not just talking about this last year, but you know, designated yeah. hitters and stuff like that. I like it when the pitcher has to come up to bat. It's a strategy. It makes the manager manage. Yeah. So mm. but uh, <laughs> Oh well. Okay. So uh, killing some time here. I played golf today, and I didn't get back home until just a little bit before showtime. And I was thinking we had a guest. We don't. Uh, or I'll say we would have called in by now. So I have been uh, looking at, I looked at a few things that were talked about, but I have different things here. And let me go through and I'll look at them. If I see something interesting, I'll pop it up and talk to you about it. Which, uh, these are from from Wine Industry Network. I, I, I get this in my uh, box every day. And there's a lot of great stuff in it, a lot of great information in it. And they have uh, videos and they have uh, news and they have blogs and job postings. And they have stories about the people in the wine industry and supplier news and vineyard and winery news. And uh, here's a Unified Symposium Exhibitor's Guide for the Unified Unified Wine and Grape Symposium Exhibitor's Guide for 2024, which is coming up, uh, oop, which is past. Uh, yeah. Well, this is no one anyway. Uh, back in January, end of January, this was. Um, but uh, all sorts of stuff on this thing here, and then they always have a uh, a video at the at the bottom of this. But that's where I get most of my news, and it's uh, usually really up to date, pretty interesting. But what I have here is. Uh, Let's see, this first one. Uh, Willamette Valley's so-called Blosser, B-L-O-S-S-E-R, announced that they were adding an ingredients list to its wine labels. Uh, everybody's been avoiding that, but except for, you know, I think I mentioned last week or week four about New England, or uh, England, not New England, but England doing it. But the so-called Blosser, uh, change starts with the wineries just released 2023 Estate Rosé of Pinot Noir. And it says, ingredients list for the wineries 2023 Estate Rosé reads simply, quote, 100% Estate Pinot Noir grapes, yeast, SO2, end quote. The label also includes serving uh, servings per container, calories per serving, 115, carbohydrates, 3.5, fat, zero, and protein, zero. That's it. But it's an ingredients list. You know, it contains Pinot Noir grapes, yeast, and SO2, which every single ingredient list would have to contain SO2, because I think just about everybody uses it. Oh, uh... He also said, the, the uh, so-called Blozer says there are practical reasons for doing this. Is some of the people on their team have diabetes, and any time they put something in their body, it really depends on the carbs and the sugar, and they need this information. So he decided that he would do it. And uh, the TTB, Alcohol and Tobacco and Tax and Trade Bureau, has a long list of approved substances that can be added to wine. And uh, so, you know, you can go through and look at that list and say, okay, this is the maximum that can be added. He said, but 
it's just so much better it puts it on there just so people can see and if they they can make their own decision about it uh starts with the wineries uh new rosé and he said he's going to continue it with other wines that are going to be released in the spring and throughout the year and continue to do so so yeah actually that's a pretty simple list that's something that's not going to have to change this is something i've always been concerned about is cost of new labels every time something happens so with a list like this it should be pretty simple to keep keep the labels uh, about the same all the time but there is the first that you're going to see and i'm sure that over time we're going to see more and more and more uh wines with ingredient labels on them and stuff like that so okay let me go back and see what else we got here uh wine range and tommy diverse Michigan's recent cold snap. Uh, this is this report was done a couple of weeks ago, and so Michigan's cold snap. Although they got cold hardy grapes up there, which really doesn't affect them, except when it gets really cold, and they're saying that. Uh, the key metric for cold hardness is the lethal temperature of 50. Uh, let's see, this temperature signifies the point at which 50% of the primary buds are killed in midwinter. And so, uh, there you go. Latest freezing tolerance assessment for common vinifera grape varieties in northwest Michigan. And this is interesting because most of these are grapes that we are familiar with. Uh, the variety reasoning, uh, the coldest it can handle is 4.9 degrees, minus 4.9 degrees Fahrenheit, or 20.5 minus 20.5 Celsius. Uh, Merlot can handle minus 18.8 Celsius or 1.8 or minus 1.84 Fahrenheit. Cabernet Franc can go as cold as minus 21.2 degrees Celsius or minus 6.16 degrees Fahrenheit. Pinot Noir, minus 19.3 Celsius or minus 2.74 Fahrenheit. And Chardonnay, minus 19.5 degrees Celsius or minus 3.1 Fahrenheit. Any longer than that, and they freeze. And they freeze the roots and the plant dies. I mean, it just, it's not like, oh, we won't have to worry about this. It'll, it'll survive. It, it won't. It, uh, it will end up dying. Here's a, another good example. Cold hardiness class. Very tender grapes. There's a range of five degrees to minus five degrees, which is most of the vitus vinifera. Uh, examples of the ones that are susceptible at that temperature, Chenin Blanc, Merlot, Semillon, Syrah, Sauvignon Blanc, and Zimbendol. Ones that are tender, going from zero to minus eight degrees Fahrenheit, Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon, Gewürztraminer, Pinot Gris, Pinot Noir, Sangiovese, and Voynet. Moderately tender, ones that can go survive at minus 5 to minus 15 degrees Fahrenheit. This is some of the vitus vinifera and some hybrids. Riesling, Cabernet Franc, Gamay Noir, and Chamborson. Moderately hardy, minus 10 to minus 15 degrees Fahrenheit. And this is most hybrids. You're done with the vitus vinifera on this. Chardonnay, Traminette, Norton and Vinol. Hardy grapes, minus 15 to minus 20. Most of the Vitus Labrusca. Now, these are American grapes. Concord and Niagara. And then very hardy grapes. These are the ones that will survive 
minus 20 to minus 30 degrees Fahrenheit. And these are extended times. The temperature just will bounce down there and come back up. It's through the night. It, it sets in those temperatures for, you know, I think three hours, I think, is uh, what the minimum. And some of the hybrids will survive this, uh, Frontenac and Forge. So there are varying degrees of... Uh, temperatures, grapevines can handle. That's why University of Michigan or Minnesota and Cornell University have been doing a lot of cold grape research, wine grape research over the years. Uh, so let's see, and then it tells you how to handle the if you do get frozen uh, grapevines, how you can uh, prune and stuff like this. The article goes into that stuff. But uh, cold damage can be devastating to grapevines, and that's why the like I say, that's why they've been working on hybrids for such a long time and. Seems like American hybrids or American grapes tend to be much more cold hardy than uh, the Vitis vinifera's. So, and they've been, you know, blending to hybriding to to try to come up with grapes that will survive and that people will like when it's made wine, which sometimes that's not always the case. Okay, uh, let's see. That's. Uh, this is basically the same article. No, this isn't. Catastrophic cold damage to wine grapes. Where was this? This is oh, uh, Okanagan. Okanagan grape yield is down 54% uh, because of cold. Uh, Okanagan, that's Canada. Yes, it is. But where I've heard of the valley, but I can't think of it. Uh, hmm. Maybe. Oh, I don't see it here. Oh, there we go. British Columbia. Uh, so, uh, the serious cold snap in uh, British Columbia growing region of Okanagan and let's see last event like was similar to this was in 1990. So the extent of vine trunk damage and death is high it's like i said they lost 54 percent they're looking at uh you know a lot of great vines lost uh 35 percent loss of yield for certain grapes and the grape yield for the harvest in 2023 is down by over half. Uh, devastating cold snap up there. But we've had that cold Arctic air that came all the way down here to Florida. And that has really affected grapevines throughout the country, actually. Okay. Uh, let's see, this, let's see if this is, uh, oh, it says, archaeologists uncovered new wine, like, uh, uncovered how wine likely looked, smelled, and tasted in ancient Rome. Hmm. Is this a real long article? No, it isn't. I apologize for not being more prepared. If I played golf there enough, I had, I had a guess. So, uh, it's well known that wine was an essential part of the Roman life. And many sources suggest that the Roman citizens were drinking about 100 gallons of wine per year. Wow. Uh, but how did it look and smell was a mystery until now. A new archaeological study of Roman pottery is providing some insights to it. Oh, my engineer is bringing me a wine. Yeah, what are you bringing me? Uh, uh, oh, this is this is a Pinot Noir 
But where is this from? This is like Spanish. Italy. No, an Italian Pinot Noir. Well, that's interesting. Well, we'll go back to this Roman wine after I tell you about this Italian Pinot Noir that I've got here. And they cute little scroll tied to the top of the bottle. This is a Vino del Amicazia. V-I-N-O-D-E-L-L-A-M-I-C-I-Z-I-A. I do not speak Italian, so I can probably destroy that for you. Uh, it's a Pinot Noir. It's 13% uh, alcohol by volume. On the back, which is really cool, they've got Braille on the back, so you can... A uh, blind person can read what it is in the label on the back. Oh, well, that's that's super cool. Do they have it on the front? I never noticed it. No, they don't. Just on the back. Uh, it's a uh, uh, 2021 Pinot Noir. And uh, it says medium body. Uh, taste is fruit-driven, smooth, and mild. goes with pizza, grilled meats, and vegetables. Uh, 750, 13% alcohol, product of Italy. And uh, what does this little paragraph say? Uh, a gem set in a small place of vine is the positive mark you're tasting, mark you are tasting the fruit born from the bud. We have been trying it. We have been tying it to the neck of the bottle since the half of last century as guarantee that the entire and fascinating winemaking process from the grape to the glass is genuine. And well, they got a, the whole thing tied to the neck here, a little piece of paper tied to the neck. That's the guarantee that it's going to be genuine and authentic. So that's cool. I don't want to fool with that right now. So this is uh, since 1957. It's even 1957 is even engraved in the bottle. It's it's embossed in the bottle. So let's see what this tastes like. Oh, a very nice aroma, a fruitiness to it. A hint of plumminess. Yeah, a little, little plum, little some berries, blackberries, blueberry, bit of blueberry. Oh, that smells good. Let's see. Let's look at the legs for those of you who are into that. I'm not getting a whole lot of legs on this. Hmm, I'm not. That's odd. Very, very limited on the legs. Maybe if I swirl it more as I'm drinking it, it will show more, but right now, no. Okay, let's see what it tastes like. Oh. Let's do a second sip. Never judge it on the first. You all know that now. A little acidic, not bad. Comes through with some good flavors, some good fruitiness flavors. I, uh, uh, the plum is lost on the taste. It's there in the nose, but it's lost on the taste. Uh, a little bit, a little bit of tannin in it, but like the bottle said, it is light and fruity, and it is rather fruity. I can really make that out. Uh, it's uh, uh, very nice. It's a, it's for a Pinot Noir. It's lighter and fruitier, and it's uh, got uh, oh, it says smooth and mild on the label. I agree with the mild, but the smooth, the little acid tends to jump in the way of that. So 
but it doesn't carry over into the to the finish though i mean i'm uh, sometimes you drink a wine the acid just gets you and stays with you this one doesn't you hit you on the tongue and then in the aftertaste it doesn't continue and stay there yeah. Well, the yes, acid is really not as bad on that sip as it was initially either. So, well, there you go. And I'm still not getting any legs on this. That is unusual, especially for a Pinot Noir. You tend to tend to get legs on a Pinot Noir. This one's not showing any at all. That's interesting. Huh. Pleasant, nice wine. Uh, if you're looking for a light. Pinot Noir, something from Italy. It's reasonably inexpensive. I think we paid uh, between fourteen and sixteen for that, uh, or it may have been a, even a bogo at the local shop. They do give us bogos. So, uh, Vina del Amicizia. I don't know. Venito. Pinot Noir. 2021. Right? 2021. Right. All right. Very good. She always surprises me with a wine during the show. So, Okay. Let's go back. Here we go. Um. Uh, a new archaeological study of Roman pottery is providing some insights into flavors and taste. As um, the shape of the dolia appears similar to that of the quivering, the clay vessels used in Georgia, uh, by burying the dolia in the ground, D-O-L-I-A, I believe it's dolia, temperature and pH could be controlled. And it also could yeast gives the wine a slightly spicy flavor with aromas of toasted breads and walnuts. So there you go. Steel tanks are completely sealed, limiting oxygen, but the small holes in Dolia allow oxygen throughout the fermentation. This can impart richness and complexity with flavors like roasted nuts and bruised apples. The mineral-rich nature of the clay also likely added a dry sensation to the wine. Bruised apples. I'm sorry. Why don't you just, you know, bruised apples. There's uh, so many different types of apples, but, you know, why don't they just say golden delicious apple or something like that? Bruised apple. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, some of that stuff drives me crazy. Um, uh, see, the discovery time is suggested and has substantial control over the final product. So the winemakers were really doing a thing back then as well as they do now. Uh, the unexpected parallels between modern and ancient winemaking lies in both debunking the alleged amateurness of uh, nature of the Roman winemaking and uncovering common traits in the vinification. So there you go. It's uh, ancient. They're, they're saying that ancient wines had a uh, spiciness of uh, toasted bread and walnuts in the flavor and bruised apples. So uh, that's interesting. It wasn't just... You know, you would expect maybe it would be. Uh, okay, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, let's look at this one. Uh, industry session looks at national challenges. No one revision. Uh, Uber to lay off all Drizzly employees as Massachusetts' founded alcohol delivery app is shut down. Hmm. This is interesting. It says, 
Uh, Uber plans to lay off all employees. Uh, Uber purchased Drizzly in early 2021 for $1.1 billion. Drizzly, which serves more than 1,400 cities, grew to become North America's largest online alcohol marketplace. According to Uber, the app will officially shut down at the end of March. Wow. Uh, $1.1 billion to shut it down? Drizzly and Uber submitted a Worker Adjustment and Retraining Act notice last week. According to the notice, 168 employees from the Boston-based app will be affected. Layoffs will occur between April 1st and September 1st. All Drizzly positions are to be eliminated, as well as some support roles at Uber. An Uber spokesman said some Drizzly team members will be offered roles within Uber supporting its beverage and alcohol service. Head of delivery for the uh, uh, Uber said, we're grateful to the Drizzly team for their many contributions to the growth of the Bev Alk delivery category as the original industry pioneers. And that's it. Bye-bye. So long. Farewell. Uh, wow. Okay. So, in the Boston area, I guess it's what it sounded like. It's going to be national. If they bought the thing, they bought it for $0.1 billion in early 2021, and it serves 1,400 cities, and they're shutting it down. So I guess Drizzly is going to be relegated to a thing of the past. Huh. Well, that's strange. I do taxes, and I, I've done Drizzly last year. Drizzly's had a couple of people come in who their income was from Drizzly. But I guess not after after this year. Hmm. Well, okay. So, uh, no more no more Drizzly as of September. That's going to be the end of it. Uh And Pasaropos, Land of the Big Reds, they're looking at trying to get lighter styles. Pasaropos does have some big, big red wines. Uh, I, just too big. Here, buy this and put it away for 50 years. Well, you know, I'm old. I'm not going to live 50 years. So, you know, I, but uh, they do have some big, big reds there. Uh, let's see. State Senate in Virginia, Virginia, West Virginia, Charleston, West Virginia, State Senate in West Virginia, uh, is looking at removing the criteria that uh, wineries sell food in order to sell their wine. They're making it so that they can just sell wine, which is a good thing for a winery. Uh, said the fairs and festivals element was designed to allow smoother operation of wine festivals, and so it will eliminates the requirement that the wine you sell food in order to sell wine also allows them to sell wine at fairs and festivals and also give samples, glasses, and whole bottles. Allows the wineries to sell the samples rather than just give them away. So here you want to do a tasting. Their samples, it's going to cost you. So it helps the winery. It seems like all the way around on something like this, they're going to they're going to end up uh, coming out ahead if that bill passes, but it still has to go to the House. It's the Senate, the state Senate that passed it, not needs to go to the House. But it's was passed 27 to 6, so uh, good chance that it's going to pass the House. 
So if you're in West Virginia, you're going to not have to sit down and buy food. It's going to be so much easier for wineries too. I mean, if I was, if I had to support a kitchen the whole time so I can sell my wine, oh my gosh, that would, wow. Uh, I it, it's the cost factor because you'd have to be inspected and everything else and pass all that. So it's uh, just you know would seem like it'd be so much easier. Uh, a new microeconomic impact report on the wine and brandy industry in South Africa. Uh, shows it's being shackled by logistical issues at ports and uh, because of a lack of action against the illicit alcohol trade and also including rolling blackouts and disruptions due to geopolitical issues. So South Africa is having some problems politically and it's affecting wineries or alcohol trade actually in the illicit alcohol trade in South Africa is making a uh, impact on it too. So it's uh, threatening livelihoods uh, of winemakers and wineries, and also tourism, and also the economy in the area where there's wineries. So it's uh, interesting problem going on in South Africa right now. So, okay, let's go to the next one here. This is up to date here. This one just came out today. So let's see what this has to say. Uh, oh, the California bottle bill. I've mentioned this before, and it's the, the article here says experts untangle the super hella confusing California bottle bill. That was a quote from this here. Redemption for wine and spirits bottles in California, which is, like I said, it's, it's the, you got to pay for your bottle when you purchase it. you got to pay for the bottle, then you have to turn it back in and get money back on it. They do this in a lot of stuff in California, but it's swinging over to wine bottles. And it says, and wine and spirits, I, I mentioned wine, wine and spirits, uh, is not just about getting new labels. Uh, experts say said at the January 23rd panel held in, Sa in Sacramento, there are many other details to implement in the layers of requirements, some of which have yet to be determined as they're still trying to sort it all out. I oh, Come on, if you're going to have a bill out there and you're going to make people follow it, then it should have been sorted out before it got to the point where they had to worry about it. I mean... You know, and it not just affects wineries, it affects you as a consumer, too, if you're in California. What, uh, you know, the, the the bill, the new bill makes wineries responsible for labeling, tracking, reporting, and paying recycling fees. And uh, based on the number of wine containers they sell, uh, and it's it just, it's crazy because... They're going to have to raise prices on each of the bottles. Now, even if it raises a quarter a bottle, it's going to start affecting you and your pocketbook. I mean, it's it, it, this is absurd. California comes up with so many strange ideas, and they say it's for the environment. But, oh, look, we made more money into our state coffers anyway. But, you know, I, I lived in California, believe me, I... I know uh, how they work out there. Proposition 13, I think it was, that was passed when I was there. Proposition 13, if I remember correctly, I think it was 13. Way back when I lived in California, they passed this Proposition 13. They put it to the vote for the people, and people overwhelmingly vote for it, which lowered property taxes property taxes were climbing, I mean, every year by 12, 15%. And this 
ball then put a cap on how much it could go up each year. And so it, like, put a halt to property tax increases that were out of hand. And so California said, okay, if you do that, then we're going to have to cut back on these services. We're going to have to cut back on on buses. We're going to have to cut back on libraries. We're going to have to cut back on uh, all sorts of different uh, programs that we have and all that. And then people says, okay. We're getting tired of paying these outrageous property taxes. And so they passed it overwhelmingly, and they started to cut back on stuff. And people said, oh, we can live with this. We're not paying tremendous amount of property taxes. And it ended up working. I still think after it's been enough years now that property taxes are outrageous again, even if they went up 5% a year. It's been a number of years since I've been there. So, but... This is another one, though, this, uh, you know, recycling. They haven't even decided the QR codes yet. They're not sure what what's going to happen with the QR codes. Uh, yeah, the whole thing's crazy. It's an ongoing fiasco. Fill you in on what's happening with this as time goes on. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Sonoma Sister Winery in Hungary offers an internship at the winery. So if you speak Hungarian, there is a job for you there in Hungary. Uh, let's see what I saw something on this that was... Interesting. Oh, farmers, European Union farmers have been protesting uh, some new rules in the European Union. And uh, the executive arm shelled an anti-pesticide proposal. Um, which was another concession to the farmers after weeks of protest that have blocked many of the streets and all that across the 27-nation block. Farmers have protested protested majorly, and uh, all sorts of farmers, grape growers and all that stuff, because they have put in some really stringent rules and regulations uh, in the EU. So... Uh, no, oh, I just lost my Pinot Noir. The engineer came and got it. Uh, she always does, though. She can't wait until I finish. She's got to have, have some more. Uh, Bulgarian farmers, for example, added uh, more to their protest by moving their heavy farming vehicles from the fields to the main motorways and border crossings, which stopped traffic in the uh, EU. Uh, and higher production costs, climate conditions, and the Green Deal requirements that they have there have really put a bind on all the farmers, and including grape growers and all that. So when I say farmers, I always think of uh, the grape growers. So uh, there has been protests recently in Poland, Greece, Ireland, Germany, and Lithuania. Even Ireland. Uh, well, they're still in the EU, I think, aren't they? Or are they? I don't know. I know Britain withdrew, but did Ireland? I don't know, Mike. Do you have an answer to that? Parliamentary Republic of 26 countries. I'm going back to my mem- my. Memory. Yeah, um, no, it's like, a, a, like a, a, an Alexa uh, brain. Uh, I became a member of the EU, or oh, United Nations. Uh, anyway, so, uh, gosh, where would they be? Uh, there's a lot of stories about it. Um, so, oh, it says uh, Ireland, EU member... Uh, since uh, January 1973, so uh, it looks like uh, 
They're still in it, yeah. Okay. I, I, they were talking about getting out, I think, when uh, when uh, England uh, got out. Oh, uh, and uh, yeah, when England got out, they were talking about getting out. But uh, I didn't know if they did or not. Huh? They didn't, I guess. So a uh, lot of stuff going on over uh, over in the EU. Uh, farmers protesting the new rules and regulations that are coming out. They've barricaded highways, started fires on highways, and they've taken their tractors and pulled out onto the roads. And so you can't bypass them by going on other roads because they've got fires going on the roads and the tractors are all plugging the roads. And it's just a nasty situation. Uh, so, uh, you know, let's see, this this was just February the 6th, and that was two days ago they had this big protest here where they're putting fires on the roads and stuff. So it's a serious problem, serious thing over there. Uh, English viticulture looks to a robotic future. England is starting to work robotics into uh, vineyards and stuff. It's uh, and I've seen a lot of comments and posts about that. The using robotics to clean uh, or mow the vineyards, uh, using robotics to uh, trim some of the stuff. Anytime they can get by with it, where they don't have to have a a person actually eye it. And in a lot of the areas, they can do it with the person or without the person. Uh, happened to eye it. So uh, that's uh, England is starting to do that now. Okay, let's do find something else here. One more. Gee, we're almost done. We can do one more. Uh, uh, Flaw that permanently kills some of the wine, the world's finest white wines. Fraud inspectors hit French wine stores looking for fraud wine. Uh, and let's see, regenerative certifications are booming right now. Regenerative certifications. Uh, are they worth it, it says on this article. The article says... The rise of regenerative agriculture. What does regenerative certification mean? We've talked about regenerative certification, so I'm not going to go into that. And toughing out the transition, the move towards certification. And let me see. The bottom line here says, uh, I'm going to change the world with 100 acres, but we show others it's feasible for a successful business. Yes, is worth it, what they're saying overall. Uh, regenerative organic certified uh, she said because the word sustainability is so watered down now so regenerative organic certified is taking over sustainability in a lot of the wineries uh, I can see her point everything is sustainable um, uh, in uh, regenerative uh, Let's see, what does it say here about it? Such as, just because a vineyard claims to be regenerative and uses some principles, such as cover crops and permanent vegetation coverage, doesn't mean it doesn't use herbicides like uh, glyphosate, which is Roundup, to manage weeds under the vines. Regenerative agriculture is a broad term at the moment. A lot of wineries and producers are distorting the definition to meet their own needs. Whoa! So, regenerative is good to have, but if you follow the proper rules, and I guess there's no oversight. Uh, Napa is looking at doing a ban. Yes, they have done a ban on Roundup or glyphosite. Uh, I say Roundup, that's the brand name, but uh, glyphosate is the uh, actual chemical. And uh, 
It doesn't have to be Roundup. You can buy a big jug of glyphosate and just mix it yourself, which is not a problem. Most wineries do that. So, uh, let's see, this is interesting. Um, studies have shown that a 1% increase in organic matter in an acre of soil will hold an additional 20,000 gallons of water. Oh my gosh. Think of how much water you can store from the rain, especially as the climate changes and more droughts come come on. 20,000 gallons of water for a 1% increase in organic matter on acre. That is staggering. So, uh, it looks like there's another label we can be leery of. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, it's uh, some people are doing the regenerative organic rules right to the edge without really having an oversight. So uh, be careful with that now, I guess, until they have. I thought they had some pretty strict rules on that, though. But according to this article, uh, no. Uh, same thing with sustainability. Sustainability is. is this article is saying is quite watered down now. So, you know, it's like everything else, buyer beware. There always seems to be people who are trying to get around doing the real thing and trying to get past it as best they can. So, all right, I, uh, I'll stop there. I apologize for not being more prepared tonight, but I thought I had a guess. And I, yeah. Oh, I mean, for the moment, for spur of the moment, that uh, you did exceptional. Um, oh, well, thank you, thank you. Gosh, was fantastic. So, um, and we got an hour's worth. We'll make a little bit later, uh, less because we we did kind of <laughs> start off with sort of you know chit <laughs> because you it know happens. the show started before we were done chit chatting. You know that's what happened. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. We, we start before and uh, start talking and, and it, oh, well, anyway, but uh, yeah. so I believe we have a guest next week. Um, we do. Is it next week? Yes. yes. We, in fact, yes. we have a guest for the next three weeks. Yeah. So, um, so we will uh, enjoy that as well. And Be did, sure to tune we in. did not. Oops. Yeah. We have not talked to Grant Reynolds, the author of the wine list. I, I was looking back on all, uh, on our uh, studio and looking at the different stuff on studio and went back three weeks or four weeks ago, and it was listed as Grant Reynolds. I, we didn't talk to him. He canceled on us. He had something yeah. come up. And so we haven't talked to Grant Reynolds yet. So he's he should be coming up before very long here also. Uh, look, looking forward to talking to him. Uh, but I just, I was looking one show, one show peaked right around that time. And I'm trying to, I went back to try to figure out what it was. And I, it said Grant Reynolds, but. I don't think so because we didn't talk with him. So I don't know. No. I'm confused. Uh, yeah, I'll have to check those uh, the show. I think it it might have. Uh, uh, yeah, it looks like it might have saved that. But no, he was not on. Um, no. Okay. On the, what the fix that? So. <clears throat> yeah, that's so, confusing. Next week is a guest, and uh, we'll. Uh, fill you in on that and 7 p.m. Eastern time is showtime so uh, please join us uh, next Thursday for a guest again and I, like you said for the next so check it out I, I, I'm just I'm getting I, I'm getting someone who's sending me a thing to be a guest on the show but it's in French 
and I can't get it to transfer, translate to English. <laughs> I don't, I don't know who it is or what it is, but it's in French. So, yeah, yeah. So, dilemma. No. Yeah. Uh, what a dilemma. Yeah, I just, you know, I was going through this mm-hmm. and checking, checking the gas coming up, and I noticed that they sent another one, and I, I wrote back wow. to them and I said I do not speak French. And they sent it to oh. me again in French. So I don't know. I, I, you know. Are you sure they're asking to, to be on, or, or is it a scam or something? I don't know. It but, says uh, uh, All About Wine podcast. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I'll follow up on it more here. Yeah. We'll, see what, uh, we'll find out. Um. Okay. Oh, well. Uh, well, join us uh, next week. And uh, Bo, too, you just joined chat. It's a little late. Sorry about that. The uh, show is signing off. Yeah. <laughs> Who we got next week? In. I don't have it in front of me here. I uh, uh, did. Oh, gosh. I was just looking at uh, my, oh, it's in my email here. I have to go through uh, two Florida states. <laughs> On... Gen, uh, February 15th, we will have <laughs> Stephen, is it? Is um, it? I don't know. Stephen Gaskins. Oh, my but, problem uh, is all of my all of my guests are listed under the people who book them. They don't book mm-hmm. themselves. They always have a publicist or something that books them. Emails here are under that person's name, and I have to look in the body of each one to see if it's the person I want. Oh, geez. It's uh, Stephen J. Stephen, and I don't know how to say the last oh, name. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I know. That's yeah, he's he. Yeah, yeah. he's our. Uh, that's why he's not here. He, he emailed me on my, on my uh, not on the all about wine list, but he emailed me on the uh, on my personal email. Uh, uh, J. Stevens Cascalis or Cascalis or something. Yeah, yeah. He is a uh, uh, expert in American grapes, and he's got himself a. a a vineyard, and he's done experiments, and he's yeah. taught all over. He's going to be very interesting, yeah. So, yeah, it, it should a be author, a very uh, author, and, yeah. and he's written mm-hmm. articles and all sorts of stuff. So, it yeah. should be uh, should be a really good show. So, tune in next week and and yeah. check him out. Or if you miss it live, and tune in on Flightline Radio oh. at noon on Saturday and then listen Saturday, to the yeah. show all the time. Yeah, so. It's also uh, on Facebook so you can uh, go to the Facebook page and scroll until you find the vi- the uh, video part of it. It's scrolling images and click the thing down at the bottom. But, uh, yeah, or even blocked off radio. Uh, you can listen to the archives yeah, there. Too. Yeah. Or any yeah. other platform that we're on. We're on a lot of other platforms which we have no idea <laughs> what they are. Yeah, That's true. That's one of the funny things about this. We have no idea. Um, we have, no idea. have a great weekend, a great weekend and uh, we'll talk to you all next Thursday. Thanks again. For have a good week. In. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Thank you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About All About Wine. All About Wine. Stop that. All right. Come on, I clicked on you. Go there.